Thursday night time machine. You're down five to one, and Thursday nights don't even last until week 17, so you better get going in a hurry. When do they stop? I think week 15. Fuck, dude. I motioned to have a recount based on the fact that I didn't know there were 17 weeks of Thursday night football. I don't know how I could forget that, but I want to count it up again. You say it's five to one? It is. I want a hand count. Okay. I'll get top people on that. Here I go. Thursday night, Titans, Colts. I got a score of 27, 23. (laughs) Oh my God. And I got the Tennessee Titans. Beautiful. I have a score of 26, 23 in favor of the Indianapolis Colts. Congratulations. You won. Congratulations. You won. Oh, this is easy fucking money. Let's go. Darius Leonard, let's do it, dog. I've got Macon here with me. Hello! And we got Squanch coming on a little bit later. Talk some football. Love Squanch. Y'all don't know Squanch as well as us. So let me tell you what who Squanch is. That's Mark Sanchez, aka Baby Alien, uh, Heisman Trophy winner. He won a Heisman, right? Or did I just make that up? All those SC quarterbacks did. Yeah, sure. Sure. AFC title dude, Squanch. And he actually gave me a lean on where Sam Darnold might be headed next year. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We might make that into a social. Heisman Trophy winner Squanch thinks Sam Darnold's going to redacted because it's the open. Stick around for Mark Sanchez's takes. I'm let down to report that Mark Sanchez did not win a Heisman Trophy. Oh, my God. When he was in school, Reggie Bush. You think you know a guy. Now vacated, so nobody really won it. Troy Smith, Tim Tebow, and Samuel the Ramuel Bradford. I want to recount. Can you imagine how awesome your life has been if like one of your biggest regrets is that you didn't win the Heisman? Right. Like that's the one that got away. That's the, I've said it once, I'll say it again. Coolest thing about you ever is that you finish in the top 10 of Heisman voting. Probably that Sam the Ram year. Mm, no? 07. Oh, right. That 07. wouldn't make any 07. sense. 07. The Tim Tebow year. Yeah, I got a vote or two. Who on earth gave you a first place vote, though? I don't know. That's, that's what I'm just totally uncomfortable with. One first place vote, two second place votes, 10 third place votes. That's a total of 17 points. And you finished 10th, which is awesome. But, ooh, first? Yeah, dude, that's a, that's a oof. Tim Tebow, Darren McFadden, Colt Brennan, Chase Daniel, Dennis Dixon, Pat White, Matt Ryan, Kevin Smith, Glenn Dorsey, and C. Long for the 2007 Heisman Trophy voting. Yeah, whoever voted me first. <laughs> Do I have like a, an ex-girlfriend that's a Heisman voter? wonder if we can see who. Uh, probably not. Anyways, one football order of business I didn't get to talk about on Wednesday is the... Um, the resolution that the owners passed this week, uh, which basically further incentivizes 
more minority hiring at the head coach and GM levels. Essentially, if Eric Bieniemy gets hired this year, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs get two third-round picks this next year, the year after. We all know like it, it hasn't been good enough. I mean, that's if you can't acknowledge that, it's like you're not even worth talking to about this. I mean, there's four coaches of color in the league right now and two GM dudes, Barry and Greer, but Tomlin, Flores, uh, Rivera, and Lynn. That's it. Of all the positions that are open in a league that's predominantly black, it's not good enough. But I don't, like, we, we had Jim Trotter on in May, and Jim Trotter is really on point with this stuff and and understands like what's going on in front offices and at the ownership level and the feedback i was getting was like some coaches minority coaches were like not real crazy about this because it kind of like commodifies coaches even further and it also acknowledges that like there's a fucking problem if we have to dangle two-thirds in front of a coach's face to let their minority coordinator go hire to be a head coach so you're getting two third round picks, right? And my my worry, besides the fact that like, holy shit, like they, they do really do have to do this and they're acknowledging in broad daylight that there's a real need to have to do this. So here's here's one of the big issues. Uh, and I'm not, I'm just nitpicking like hypotheticals, just taking you into like the thought process of a team. If you're the LA Chargers, as you mentioned right before we got on the pod, like they could be looking to hire a new coach next year. Eric Bieniemy is awesome. He's he probably would be a great fit. Any offense would be lucky to have him, you know, pulling the strings from the big office. But like, if you have two candidates that are relatively equal, Eric being one, you might pass on Eric because you don't want to give two third round picks to the uh, top dog in the division. The two picks are a reward, right? They don't go from the Chargers to the Chiefs. The Chiefs just get the. The picks, extra picks. Yeah, so like if you're LA, if you're gonna hire him, then the Chiefs get the picks. So you don't wanna give two third rounders right. to. And the third round ain't the seventh. No, it's not. I mean, uh, you know, like in, in one sense, you're looking up at him, so you have to do something fundamentally to change, you know, the course of your franchise. To me, Eric Bieniemy is worth a bunch of picks. You know what I mean? Like if we're doing this thing, you know? Um, which sucks that we're doing it. Um, another thing is like, I worry that you end up, like people who are actively suppressing the hiring of black coaches in the NFL, and there are obviously some active forces. Some people might be complicit, like just without knowing it. Some people might be actively suppressing it. Well, we're living in America in 2020, yeah. which we once thought meant something different exactly. than what it does now. Exactly, so I'm just saying that if you're that type of person, are two third round picks gonna be the thing that, you know, that pushes you over the edge? Is that gonna be enough for you? And all you're really doing is rewarding coaches that are in organizations that are doing the right thing, probably anyways, right? You're gonna do what you're gonna do is what I mean to say. Like you're just, I don't think two thirds is gonna change anything unless you're that team that's like, fuck, I don't wanna give that team two third round picks. Like they're right in my division. But if you are the Chargers and you're taking be enemy away from Patrick Mahomes, you might think that comes out in the wash if you're if the Chiefs get two more weapons. That's in the a great round. point. That's a great point. I mean, it depends on the situation, I guess. Like, 
I would probably, if I were them, hire him in a heartbeat, even if there was another great coach. But I'm worried about like, yeah, you know what? Your your point's actually probably better than my point because I think it actually it it outweighs it outweighs the picks. Yeah, you're kind of wrecking their shit because like what happens? I think Patrick Mahomes is transcendent enough to thrive in any offense, but and Andy Reid's no dummy. Andy's the guy, right? That's I mean that's an interesting point. Now the problem is this would come at the expense of Anthony Lynn, one of our four, but. Uh, results matter. Yeah. And that team has had problems from the sideline. Yep. Uh, this year, now yep. two and six. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not saying anybody should get fired, but that's a hypothetical that like would illustrate within a division where that might get interesting. So, um, I, gosh, at least they're doing something to acknowledge it. It sucks that they have to. Uh, and I worry that it won't do much, not because they're not trying. I think they have to improve the pipeline. We've talked about this. Like the young white dudes are getting the the in quicker at the lowest level. You know, it's just the barrier is not as big. So if they improve the pipeline, I think that's the way to attack it. This top level stuff's great. It looks good and whatever, but like I don't think they're going to solve it by just teetering with the top level decision making. Also, that Jets thing. So they had cameras in their smoke detectors and uh, that was investigated. 2008, I guess they went in when there was theft in their locker room. Now you might be asking, hold on, rich NFL players steal shit? Fuck yeah, they do, which is just ridiculous. I mean, it is ridiculous to be a thief, but to be a thief in the NFL, what? I cannot imagine making that decision. And I've been in two, three locker rooms where there were instances of theft, like for a couple hundred dollars. Cause you know, guys gamble and whatnot, like, and you know, guys will go to the casino after, after practice or something. If they live near one guys carry a little cash. I've seen people get like bags stolen and shit. Like, I can't believe it. Anyways, the cameras go in and, uh, I guess they just sit there and the only reason they're there is for that and they see them every once in a while on a loop. But I was just troubled thinking about that, like cameras in an NFL locker room. Like the first thing that I read most people buzzing about online was that's got to be the Patriots. There's got to be some competitive advantage. That's got to be that. I'm like, what about the dicks, man? <laughs> what about the fact that a bunch of dudes are getting looked at naked and they have no idea. Like, can we just fucking be a little more sensitive to, I get, cause I got this rant in me about the media and open locker room time, okay? I am not somebody who really cares like about disrobing, you know, like I'll just disrobe, okay? There, there'd be a scrum of reporters in front of you and you would drop the towel. Well, no, but like if I'm getting changed and they all rush in at the same time, this is the way it works. Like open locker room starts after practice, like 10, 15 minutes after practice. So after practice, you have like an hour from then to meetings. And a lot of times you have to get a lift in, eat your lunch because you're exhausted and get changed and showered and maybe get treatment too. So you have an hour for this. Well, the reporters are trying to talk to you while you're trying to do at least two of those things in the locker room, which is fine. They got a job to do. The schedule sucks. But you're inevitably naked in front of strangers, dude. Like, and what I'm saying is I'm not offended by like that, but 
there there maybe what if a dude is like i don't want to be seen after practice with my dick out dude it seems to be a simple scheduling fix i don't they no one's figured it out you know why they do this i'm picturing you with a lunchables why i don't know you just you said you had to fit lunch in and you're just at your locker with little lunchables no you go into the cafeteria but lunchables are pretty good yeah the pizza ones are good yeah i know you go through so much trouble to make that pizza it's well worth it i might get some lunchables they should just grubhub lunchables might do that later back to the open locker room thing i just think and i've always said this i actually said to a reporter once male dominated sports is like the only place you're expected to be naked in front of strangers in the United States. That's it. Think of another place. You could be somebody that opts into being naked. And I guess by signing our CBA, we're kind of opting into that. But it's still pretty fucking ridiculous. It, is it not on its head? Very much so. Give, like, give me a day. I could fix this in five minutes. They ha- give me a calendar. Done. They haven't fixed it, dude. They haven't fixed it. And the reason, supposedly, that they... Um, they flood at the same time. And again, I respect beat writers and all these people. They're the hardest working people in sports. And I, I hope you know, if you're listening, you're like a local media person who's there pounding the pavement every day. And I've talked to you guys about this. It's not, it's not, about, it's not about me disrespecting your craft. I'm just saying like there might be a better time than when like everybody's just dropped trowel. So the ridiculousness of that standard, it's not even a double standard. I don't know what it is. Like, there's nowhere else in society that we're expected to be. That blew my mind. When the Jets thing came up and people were like, oh, the Pats are spying, not like everybody basically got peepholed. Yeah, footage might exist somewhere of... Of your unit. When you didn't want that. But I do feel like there's this kind of callousness. I'm sure some people are listening right now, like get off your fucking soapbox. I just think it's weird. There, there does seem to be some... Uh some deviousness i mean if you're trying to curb theft why not just a big old camera on the wall but we're hiding them in smoke detectors that's weird dude yeah but evidently a jets player said they know what it was and they weren't worried about it all righty um but there's got to be a way man and when i said this to a reporter once he was like you guys will be fine you guys are fine right you guys are fine are you really are you serious? I was like, I'm not serious, but what if I was? What if like I really was annoyed at that? Like, I don't know, man. Just be a little bit less callous towards us, guys. We're, we're not pieces of meat. You know what I'm saying? I got a fix. Slap an honor code on the side of a wall. Meaning? No more theft. I'm not talking about theft. I know you're not. I know you're not. Yeah. I was back to the stealing. Got it. The reason that reporters come in supposedly is because they want you to be still pissed off from the game or you know if you have 30 minutes to catch your breath an hour to catch your breath and then you put your suit on and go out there supposedly the reason is that you know and it's true you get the most honest and raw reactions but how many like think about this the in the last year or two how many honest and raw like newsworthy noteworthy reactions did you get on camera after a game or after practice how many do you remember? Exactly. I don't know if I remember any like notable outburst after practice or something where I, like I felt like I gleaned a lot. I mean the sound bites, yeah, but 
again, why are there cameras in the locker room after bring a fucking tape recorder? You know, like I just don't I just don't get it, Meg. I don't get it. I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. I I uh you know, single families, you know, after one doesn't get sold. I don't I don't have people in my car being like what happened there? Why uh Well now imagine that your 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 sack is on <laughs> the front of your your uh cloth seats just just this and somebody's asking you a question and your sack is on it's like right there I'm fucking not, bro i've seen dudes get damn near knocked over by like throngs of reporters and they're not even the dudes that the reporters want to go talk to they're always the dudes next to the locker of the dude like it's so fucking annoying and they just box you out and you're like uh excuse me like that's my naked ass dude like you just hit me with your camera yeah it sucks i've got leather seats <sighs> okay that's good without further ado let's get squanch on the line download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code Greenlight when you sign up to get this can't miss offer DraftKings Sportsbook is insuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right, you bet and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code GREENLIGHT during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, so like I said, I'm just riding this thing. Mark Sanchez won the Heisman. You heard it here, so I'm introing him as Heisman Trophy winner, Mark Sanchez. And Mark is gonna talk to us about some quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Megan's favorite subject, as well as Lamar Jackson. And we'll talk about uh, the most dangerous, fringy teams, as well as the biggest flaws for some of the best. And as I mentioned earlier, he has a Sam Darnold take that we might make into a social. It's that good. All right, Mark Sanchez is joining us as we talked about earlier. I uh, hope to have him a lot more on pod number three of our football weeks going forward. Uh, Mark, the first question out of the gate here is an icebreaker. Where do the Jets get their first win, dude? Oh. Uh, who do they got coming up? Let's uh, see. They I'll, had, I'll name they... the schedule for you. Chargers, Dolphins, Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Patriots. Um, depending on what happens to the Patriots, maybe it's like the last week of the season kind of thing. Um, but the way the Chargers are playing, golly, they like I mean, to they lose seem games. to just yeah, and they like to lose them at the end of the game, right? They just <laughs> get these amazing leads and then just blow it. Yeah, and I, I feel so bad for for Herbert. You know, he's playing so well. He's he's. Um, it could be the Chargers, man. It could be this this coming game against the Chargers. Damn, but don't dude. hold your breath. No, I won't hold my breath. I definitely won't hold my breath. Uh, by the way, they got a bye this weekend, which is nice because they would have absolutely gotten obliterated with Masters coverage in New York and that sort of thing. I don't think anybody's going to be watching. Like, if they had played this weekend and the Masters were on, they were absolutely fucked. I, listen, I think the Patriots are, are, are a nice bet for them to pick up their first win, but by week 17, they're gonna be staring down the barrel of the first pick, even more than they are now. So like, right. I, I don't know if the Jags pick up another win or what, and you get some cushion. I think they could beat the Pats 
Ugh, I just that would piss I, I, Bill Belichick off so bad, dude. He hates. So the Jets. I feel like uh, right organizations tank. The players no, aren't going to tank. The guys that are on the field are going to be trying to win. So you can only control so much, right? When they say tank for Tua and all that, well, the Dolphins were still trying to play well. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, that would be interesting if if the strategy from Belichick was like, all right, all right, guys. Yeah. Let's just <laughs> hey, remember on defense when we like let them score at the end of the game so we can get the ball back. <laughs> Let's just do that like five times all the time in a row, all the time because we don't want because we don't want like Trevor Lawrence or somebody in the division. Like we don't have a quarterback really currently. Right. I mean, you know, right. Cam's not the long term answer there. That that seem. I mean, I'm pulling for Cam and he looked better this past week. He really did. But it's yeah. the Jets, so. We'll see how that works out. If Darnold's on the move, do you like him somewhere? Because I like the kid, and I think he did. No one. San Fran. San Fran. I'd love to see him in San Fran. Um, I'd love to see him. Who else did I say? Uh, I said potentially. Uh, yes, Indy. That was the yeah. Indy. Indy would be yeah. nice. Frank and him. That'd be nice. Yeah. That would be both fun. West Coast systems. Oh. Um, you know, great for his mobility and making plays outside the pocket. Um, I think, I think he'd do great with Shanahan too. What he's a West coast guy. Yeah. And, um, you saw what they did with Matt Ryan. I think, uh, Darnold has some of that skill set as that Matt Ryan has, but he's a little more elusive and, uh, he's not going to run around like Lamar Jackson and maybe even Patrick Mahomes or something like that, but he can move enough to keep defenses on their toes, keep plays alive for an extra second, second and a half. And you know how it works in coverage guys break down, and um, and he can make you pay. So I, I just think he needs a chance to win, to remember what it's like to win, um, and, and get a little confidence back because he's just been beat down there. And that's that's the risk you run when you when you draft a, a young quarterback and don't help him and and provide uh, you know weapons for him. You know that's the most exciting thing for me about the future of like free agency and quarterback mobility is now it feels like any first round pick quarterback no matter how how high you were picked it gets proven over and over again that your seat is always hot so like there's going to be always an influx of where in the past you you rode that out for five years and you just tried to make it work like now guys are on the move so there'll always be a chance for your shitty team to get good the next year you know like there'll always be a chance like if you think jimmy g leaves something to be desired in san fran which i do like there'll always be a chance that somebody's coming to the rescue Indy, like usually I'd be like, man, what are we doing with this Philip Rivers marriage? It's a one-year thing and it's probably not going to get you a trophy. There's still going to be an opportunity for like, hey, who knows what happens with Dak? Who knows what happens yeah. with Sam Darnold? Who knows what happens with any of these quarterbacks? So I think it's an exciting time with that mobility. And the other thing too is uh, for Sam, if you look at his contract, he's going to make a little more than backup money next year. He's going to make somewhere around four and a half ish million dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, a good price for backup money. He can go somewhere where they still have a quarterback. Learn. You can have, you know, two legit guys. If he goes to Sam Fran, they don't have to get rid of Jimmy. Right. They could just pick up Sam and not extend his option for his fifth year. Cause then he, if you, if you exercise the option for his fifth year, he's going to get like $26 million, Right. which right now he hasn't proven to be worth that because his team sucks. So you're like, okay, Let's just take this fourth year, see what happens, pay him his four and a half million dollars, and then he's on a one-year prove-it deal. So both sides are incentivized to make him play well. That's a great point. That's a really great point. 
Carson That's what Wentz. I'm here for, dude. Carson, I know you are. You're <laughs> mad, dude. This is why we have Ca- quarterback stuff. I always feel like when I talk about quarterbacks, I like I'm like so careful. You know, like if you were breaking down D linemen, you there would always be a part of you that would be like, yeah. Uh, do I really mean what I'm saying? Do I know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's nice to have squanch. <laughs> Squan- it's squanch, dude. <laughs> I need to add like accents and like the bar and the two little thingies. That's You're a mess. Squanch. The squancher. We got the squancher here with all things quarterbacks. Hey, quarterbacks, I can't be, I got to be a, a real one, as they say. I got to talk about, you know, guys I like and I got I to gotta be negative when it's appropriate. And Carson Wentz, right now the negativity is probably warranted. No, it's not prob- probably warranted. It's warranted. The comments post game last week, I don't know if you saw those. They against were, the Giants? Yeah, they, or the, the Cowboys. Yeah. They were the Cowboys, Giants. Oh, all the that same. too. It's all the fucking same. Yeah. He kind of was dismissive of the mistakes he's making, and he kind of said, like, something effective. Well, that's always going to be the way I am. You know, like, I, I get that, but there's a time to say mea culpa. Like, this is my fault. And yes, I know that being a gunslinger and being ballsy has got me to this point. But in front of my locker after three turnovers or whatever it was against Dallas, the basement dwellers of the NFL right now, like I don't I don't go there. I just say I'm gonna fix it. If you see comments like that, and he did, to be fair, walk it back a little bit this week, but I always I always believe the first thing you say. What does that tell you? Um yeah, he so I went back and watched the interview when he's on the field Thursday night against the Giants, he throws that last second like wheel route or option route, it's a nice whatever ball. to uh, oh great ball yeah. to Bostic, who's like this big, yeah. and I mean he puts it right on him, right? So he's riding high, feeling good. And in my opinion, he gave up a lot of his personality, and we've seen it on tape, but he actually spoke to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I wrote my handy little notes here, mm-hmm. but he says it's always going to be an internal battle. And I'm going to deal with this my whole career because Michael Irvin asked him, when is it time to try and force a play or, you know, make a play downfield? And when is it time to kind of, you know, pack up and just say uncle. Right. And so that was his response is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's an internal battle. Totally fair. Right. Every quarterback deals with it. Some guys are a little better at discerning when to say uncle and some guys are a little worse at it. Okay. But he just says, I'm going to deal with it my whole career. Like, bro, I am who I am. I'm going to force it if I have to, or if I think it's appropriate. And that's the way it is. Right. So I understand that mentality. Right. But I also have had coaches say, don't try and make me chicken salad out of chicken shit. (laughs) When the play's over, the play is over. Mm -hmm. Okay. Throw the thing in the seventh row of the stands and move on with your life. Gruden mm-hmm. actually sat me down one time in an off season and we talked about it and he said, um, he said, Hey man, you know what you're doing? <laughs> throwing, you're throwing double slant in the cover two man. Okay. They have inside leverage. The fact that you are completing this ball is just has me in utter bewilderment. Do you know what that means? I am dumbfounded because you have completed a ball against the coverage that is designed to stop that play. You are jamming sand <laughs> up a gnat's ass. Okay. Do you know how small a gnat's ass is, man? And I was like, oh. tighter. We would say tighter than a frog's asshole here in, so, yeah. in Virginia. So, so those are both very tight spaces. You know, at a certain point, you got to just pack up and all right. And he would say, 
throw this ball away, move on to the next down, move on with your life. You kind of <laughs> make him sad. You kind of make it's like a damn good impression. It really <laughs> is. And a lot of people take stats. It's so at that. funny. One time I was Im- impersonating Gruden in individual Uh-oh. period because he was in town <laughs> for Monday Night Football and yeah. he was right behind me. I didn't realize it. He got yeah, a kick out of it. I did it for him. He got a kick out of it. I did it. I think he likes it. And I did it for him. Uh, this is a total sidebar, but we were on a Monday night game. And uh, I would always do Gruden impressions, just messing around. And then we're in the production meeting the night before in Miami. And somebody, either Lisa Salters or Tariko or somebody says, Hey, I heard you do a good Gruden impression. And I just looked right <laughs> at him and I was like, Not me. And they're like, Come on, just do it. And I was like, Coach Gruden, you understand that imitation is the highest form of flattery, right? Like that's the highest form of respect. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And he said, he's just looking at me like, uh-huh. oh, man, go ahead. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, shit. <laughs> and I said, you know what I like about Peyton Manning, man, he comes into town, adverse environment, and just lays down the law, Jaws. That's why I call him the sheriff. <laughs> and so he goes, hey, man, that was pretty good. Dude, you play you- your cards right tomorrow. You might be the deputy. No, no, you're <laughs> I swear not. to God. I swear to God, bro. It's awesome. He takes it in stride. Awesome. He took it in stride with me when oh, he dude. and and listen. It's great. I, uh, it's great. I'm a huge Gruden fan, and don't apologize for sidebars because this entire pod is a fucking sidebar. Oh, generally, here's the deal, man. Shiel Kapadia, who's uh, a writer for the Athletic and focuses on you know the Eagles and does great work. You know, he had a really good article that was very timely. We've been talking about doing this Carson thing for a day or two, and this thing popped up yesterday. So I was like, great, let me see what what he's talking about. I mean, he points out 35 games since the ACL, 17 and 17 and one, uh, and hasn't been the same guy. His completion rate over expectations way down if you're into the analytics, which Shield is. Um, he notes two big analytical differences. He's worse under pressure, and he's actually throwing into less tight windows, if that makes sense. First one makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, you, you can see it. Um, he's 25% positive play when pressured, which is last in the league, basically. In 2017, he was top five in making chicken salad out of chicken shit, right? We yeah. had a lot of talent around us, etc. So the pressure's getting to him. It's getting to him on the field, and it's getting to him figuratively. It's hard being Carson Wentz right now. It's part of the deal uh, having a year like he had and playing quarterback in Philly. It's not just you know, like your cliche folding under pressure. Like, I don't think he's folding under pressure. Folding, you think of a guy deer in the headlights. You think of a guy who's afraid to get hit. You know, a guy who's weak in the knees. Like, that's not this. This is somebody saying, okay, I'm under a tremendous amount of pressure. I'm going to just try to do what's gotten me here and do it harder. You know what I mean? Like, muscle through the pressure. And that's how pressure's affecting him, in my opinion. I think it looks like a guy right now who's forcing things, who's saying, I've been this fucking guy my entire career, and I'm going to keep being this guy, and the pressure's making me lean into this more, and it's dumb. It's really dumb. It doesn't make sense to me. There's a very fine line of you just, you know, waver with the wind. Like, you Mm -hmm. just get blown to and fro, right? you got to be yourself, but at the same time, you got to be aware of your circumstances. When you don't have those kind of players around you, your game has to change just a little bit. And the elite quarterbacks can do that. Brady, Manning, how many guys have Aaron Rodgers? How many guys have they make, uh, you know, guys with lesser talent, maybe drafted later, you know, not as acclaimed. How many times have they made those guys look good? 
And a lot of it isn't because they're isn't because they're pressing. And right now I think that's what it is. I think he's just pressing just a little bit like, all right, I'm going to show you, you guys don't know, like I can handle this, watch this. And it's a very dangerous road. It's very narrow and it's very rocky. It's windy. It's Mm -hmm. dangerous because one slip and you're down the cliff, your three turnovers in the first half. And it looks like chicken shit, right? So it's, it's a, you know, we're talking finely tuning something. Okay. And, and it's a discernment and the ability to say no, the ability to say uncle and move on with these plays and realize, especially when you're playing a divisional opponent in their division, their division's garbage. Yeah. So just win the let's game, play the just field throw, position the people game. To, to throw the ball to the people that play that the, are open. Yes. If I have to, uh, you know, expedite my read a little bit, if I got to speed things up a little bit and just dump it to the back, even though maybe Goddard was like probably going to be open, Mm -hmm. but I know the back's open right here at three yards and Goddard's like kind of probably going to be open at like 12, 15 yards. Who cares? Yeah. Dump it to the back. Right. right? And that is so hard to do. It's so hard to do because I was like that in New York when all your talent leaves and you change coaching staffs and you're getting this just berated by, by the media, you're like, Hey, well, screw you guys watch this. And then you go start chucking yeah. the ball around. You're like, Whoa, I think I just threw four picks in about four possessions. Yeah. He's That's doing, not good. you know, and this is what I'm trying to get at. He's not so, folding. He's doing the opposite of folding in a negative way. He's pressing, right? He's pressing yeah. under pressure and you know, like he's never been afraid to get hit. You know, in fact, his problem is he's fucking fearless He's never been afraid to throw the ball to people that are quasi-open. And he's never been afraid to extend plays, but that's not working this, this year. I mean, his time yeah, to for, throw... For his him, time. he's got he's to, like, uh, to, and, and this is on his coaches. This is uh, on the people talking to him and his internal you know, monologue, essentially, right? If you're not talking to yourself, you're listening to yourself or listening to somebody else. So he's got to continue to talk to himself and mm-hmm. remind himself... Hey man, as this play extends, I get smarter with the football. Yeah. I just get more intelligent with the football. My discernment gets even better. Uh, my decision-making is more precise the longer this play goes, right? So I'm the smartest if this play goes eight seconds, it's, right? Like that's as smart as I can be. It's me so. chasing the board on a Sunday gambling. I mean, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's like literally like, okay, the guys aren't open, you know, like the, it's not yeah. working out today. Just fucking put it in the seventh row, man. And 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 his time to throw is higher than it's ever been, which is a problem yeah. because, you know, the blocking, while Stoutland's done a great job up front there to make, again, yeah. chicken salad with the group that he has. And nothing against those guys. They just aren't guys we've heard of. They're guys that were third-string guys. I mean, they've, they've been starting third-string guys on both sides of, of the offensive line all year off and on. The continuity sucks, but they've done a good job. I say that to say, you know, as his clock goes up and he, you know, like the blocking has not been as bad as, as, as we thought it'd be. And I think what he gets into trouble doing is he's not holding the ball because the blocking's great. He's holding the ball because he's trying to make things happen. And that's oh, yeah. like a very clear, uh, that's a, a clear window into the way he's thinking, I think. is like the yeah, longer last- I hold the ball, I'll hit the big one. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bet the Bucks money it, line Sunday and- night when I'm down big. Like, <laughs> it's just not a good idea, dude. 
<laughs> uh, off track betting in the Himalayas. Yeah, yeah. I got a lock for you this week. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, so it, the last thing I'll say on it, and it's the same kind of, this will hit home with a lot of viewers, right? When you argue with your significant other, right? There is a point where you say uncle sometimes, mm-hmm. even when you might, might Definitely. have the winning argument sentence, just bam, like, mm-hmm. Is it worth it? It's never. Is it worth it to say it? Is it worth it to make the throw and maybe throw the interception? Right. In this case, in this season, under these circumstances, I'd recommend against it. Just dump it down. Give it a nice, you know what, babe? You're right. I'm sorry. I love you. All good. Instead of, hey, hold on. I'm going to start a fight here. I'm going to dig my heels in. What's up? (laughs) It ain't worth it. I never do that. Uh, ever in my personal life, <laughs> yeah, w- right. wife alert, wife alert, which is the what me and Macon say uh, when we're just checking to see if our wives are listening yeah. to this program, which they never are. Um, here's the big deal to me: 2021, 2021 is going to be do or die. He's not getting benched this year. There's just it's right. really, I mean, as as bad as he's been at times, like you know, next year is the year where it's do or die. In my opinion, you get you get the pieces back around him. And you give it one more shot because you like. Yeah. I'm just not hitching my wagon to Jalen Hurts with no information. There's obviously they they know a lot more about Jalen Hurts than we do, having seen him in practice every day. How low do you have to see the bar get for Carson and them not put in Jalen Hurts to realize that maybe Jalen Hurts isn't the long term answer? Could be. I don't know. I don't want to be unfair to the kid, but yeah. you've also got a guy who's shown MVP talent, and you know you want to get that out of him. That's what's so tantalizing. I got to be careful with Lamar stands. So I made sure I talked about um, my favorite QB in quotes here before we got on to Lamar. My favorite QB is Justin Herbert. So if you ever see me caping for him, wow. that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Let me he's do this. Let me. Yeah, he's awesome. Let me do the disclaimer real quick. I love Lamar. I hope he's successful for 15 years in the league. And I suspect if nothing changes, this is a perennial playoff team. I mean, they're going to be in it every year. But... We've got to stop complaining about people actually analyzing Lamar's slump. Everybody does this thing where it's like, well, you don't talk about this guy. You don't talk. Lamar is the reigning MVP. He set the league on fucking fire. The ashes are still hot from last year. So when he's slumping, we have to talk about it. And all I'm doing is following the trends. This year, the production's down. Greg Roman's under fire. And a year ago, my big worry was, okay, if Greg Roman leaves, you might see a dip in production. But now I'm being told that that would be good for Lamar. So everybody heard the Rich Eisen comments uh, where Lamar went on the show and said people are calling out the plays, et cetera. Mark, have you ever had people call out your plays? So there's tells for every team, right? And if you're a good coach, based on formation, motions, alignment, all that kind of stuff, there are tells. It's been maybe once, you know, but we didn't have some sort of scheme that was like, you know, these rotating backs in the backfield, uh, you know, uh, uh, read zone, uh, read option, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It wasn't like this special thing. Okay. It was just a basic West coast offense right. and we moved our pieces around the best we could. Right. But when you hear these tells, like, you know, as a D lineman, heavy hand for an offensive lineman, white knuckles, like Mm -hmm. they're coming off, they're firing off the ball, light stance back in his stance, you know, tackle has his hand up. Okay. It's good chance. It's going to be a pass. Those kind of things, you know, everybody picks up those tells, but when they're calling out specific plays, 
that is an issue. Yeah. And to combat that as a coaching staff, you have to have uh, sameness and likeness is what Shadi used to call it. But in your run game and pass game, they have to look the same. You have to use some of the same motions. Right. And if you're going to toss sweep one way out of a motion to bunch formation, you got to do the fake toss sweep reverse, you know, naked or right. have the toss sweep reverse to a, to a uh, receiver just to keep people honest or fake the toss sweep. And now you're in a play action setup, whatever it is, figure it out, but you have to marry up formations and motions in the run and run action, play action and pass game or else you're sunk. And that's everybody across the league, but they're so specific in their run design. I mean, you watch them enough and this is, this is the problem with everybody, right? People have to understand that one of these new guys who comes into the league and sets the league on fire, like you talk about, there are defensive coordinators who are paid for six days to study your ass, mm -hmm. <laughs> figure you out. Yeah. And when they see you on Sunday, they just ruin your life for an right. entire day. That's what they try and do. Okay. So that's their job all off season. I guarantee you these defensive coordinators in Pittsburgh, you know, in Cleveland, everybody is just grinding on all, the tape. Yeah. Like, all okay. hands on deck. We yeah. got to stop this. Here's the triple guy. option. Okay. Boom. Got it. Here's the read option. Got it. Here's their signals from the tackle when he's going to, you know, bypass the end and let Lamar read them. Got it. Boom. Yeah. There's our run tell. There's our run tell. So, I mean, at some point that's going to happen. Now you just have to counter some of that stuff with your, uh, with your preparation and, and your strategy going into the game. Yeah. And that's the hard part this year for them. And I'm not making excuses for Lamar or Greg Roman, um, because this is the way the but league yeah, is, well, as you mentioned, they got, they're still scoring what I, yeah, got I mean, 20 like, points, they're scoring 20 points a game and they're averaging that's 31 weeks in a row. That yeah. they're scoring 20 points a game the troubling, and they're averaging 170 rush yards per game. Yeah. I mean, so, like stuff is working. It's just like, yeah. it's just, if you want it to work as well as last year, you're going to have to make some adjustments. And that includes, you know, it's Greg and it's Lamar and the way Lamar wants to play the game because like scheme was not some of the, the, the stuff I saw against the Steelers. Okay. You know, there were, there were some scheme elements there, but you ran the ball for 300 yards. There were some d decisions that were really poor with the football. And then yep. last week you talked about that 20 streak. I think what's troubling is they needed a defensive touchdown to get to that 20 last week. And you're looking at it. I, I think the big deal is when you talk to guys that played for Greg Roman, anywhere he's been successful, they've had really good guys up front, San Francisco, Alex mm -hmm. Boone, Anthony Davis, Joe Staley, Goodwin was the center, and I'm forgetting Ayupati. Like it was like a goon yeah. squad, dude, and they just ran gap scheme shit and they ran down your shit. And you could call out a counter because I could see one of those fat asses back off the ball, but yeah. like, but then go go stop it. But then stop it, right? right? That's yeah. the hard part. And I think they still have. It's still always going to be hard to stop, even if they're predictable, but. You know, another thing is they lose Yonda this year. I mean, they had guys in Buffalo. Greg Roman had guys in Buffalo that yeah. were studs up front. They lose Yonda this year. They lose Stanley. It's going to be an adjustment. And then also, you know, when you talk to players, you know, that played for him, it seemed like he might have had a little bit of a shelf life, Greg, because in San Francisco, he admittedly, it seemed like got cute his third year there. And then in Buffalo, let's not forget, your boy Rex fired him two games into the season. So, yeah. I mean, like... It's not like he's been perfect everywhere. I just think that if we're going to go with the this is way more noticeable than any other team's tells, 
I don't, I'm not just going to go off of Alex Highsmith from the Steelers saying, quote, I knew when that play started they were coming back to that because they ran the same play in the first half and I didn't drop deep enough. So I learned from that play and just dropped deeper and the ball just fell into my hands. Like That's that happens all the fucking time, yeah. dude. Yeah. So what we're saying is there may be something to it, but I don't want to hear that, oh, well, the Bengals safety said that, you know, Lamar Jackson only wants to throw the ball to Hollywood Brown and, and Andrews. Like, okay. Like, like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, like, let's get granular. If you want to say that the tells yeah. are there, and I agree with you, you know, with Roman's history and a little bit of the, you know, it's not a gimmick, but Lamar's Lamar's excellence last year just needs to be fine-tuned if you want to be good going forward. So we'll see how they do with it. I agree. And bottom line is if he's going to be, if he's going to take the next step, it's got to be as a pocket passer. And the teams that have caused problems for them are the teams that can force him to go through, you know, 10 to 12 play drives, convert two to three third downs, uh, you know, third and mediums consecutively in one drive where he's going to have to drop back, read a defense, go through a progression and get the ball accurately thrown in tight coverage. Right. The more times you force a quarterback to do that, I don't care if it's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, the more times you force a quarterback to do that the better your chances are of being successful on defense because it, it is mentally draining. It is exhausting to do that over and over and over. You're going to make a mistake at some point. Now, some quarterbacks can do it for an awful lot longer time than others because they're used to it. Lamar Jackson doesn't have the reps at doing that. They're doing a lot of gimmicky option stuff, all that reads uh, zone read. That is not, that is not, um, exercising his drop back passing muscles, right? right, right. That's just different. It's a different, um, uh, mental process and, and he's just got to get better at it. And let's face it in the NFL, when you get to the playoffs, you are forced to do that just because the teams are so good right. at least 10 to 15 times, like pure drop back, no bullshit, no RPOs, no play action, quick game, like legitimate five step or seven step drop back. Those kind of timing plays downfield where you go through a progression, you've got to do it 10 to 15 times yeah. in a real legit playoff game. So if you force the quarterback to do that during the year, if you get them closer to the 15 number, you're going to have more success on defense, most likely, right. you know, unless you're just facing Peyton Manning. Now you're just hoping for a mistake. But, you know, at a, at a certain point, he's got to make that jump. And I don't know if this system is going to give him a chance to make that jump. Yeah, that's the tough part, because if you go away from this system, then do you abandon what's made them so scary? And it's kind of like an adjustment right. period where, you know, Lamar could take a lump or two for a year or two. I mean, like trying to adjust to a total because Greg's system, as much as it's unlocked Lamar's potential of being dangerous and scary, has, you know, given him a ceiling now can he can he break through that ceiling maybe we won't know until DaCosta says okay absolutely we're going all in on weaponry on the outsides and we're changing our OC there's a reason we we slurp DaCosta all the time and the Ravens personnel with yeah. oh god they, they've done such a great job but then we don't trust them offensively because they haven't brought weapons in for Lamar. Well, maybe there's a reason right now because it would be a waste in that offense. You know, like we're just not going to do those type of things. So I guess I would ask you, and this is kind of on the spot, but is there a coordinator that you think like Lamar could work really well with like around the league? Ooh, Andy Reid. <laughs> yeah, <Andy. laughs> Good luck getting him. Yeah, the enemy. Exactly. I mean, maybe, maybe uh, the enemy, somebody like that, but um you know, they've just done a great job 
and they're different. Him and Mahomes are different. They yeah. both move around, but so they're different. They're different. Yeah. Mahomes yeah. is is uh, his arm talent um, and and his ability to read defenses. Plus, he sat behind uh, yeah. you know Alex Smith that yeah. first year, so he really learned how to take care of the football and and if anything, you know, tighten his game up to where he wasn't giving the ball away because he did give the ball away a lot in college. So. Right. Uh, but I do think that kind of West coast system, I know Roman has a lot of those, um, uh, staples in his system. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think, um, uh, maybe even somebody like Schottenheimer, what he's done with Russ Wilson, yeah. um, that could help him. But essentially where you, you know, you let him be himself, but within the confines of your system, A right? Passing like at framework. least, yeah, at least go through these reads and checks and yeah. then, if that doesn't work, then yeah, dude, you're on your own. Make a good decision for us, and, and we'll see you next down kind of thing. Uh, as a side note, uh, going back to Philly for a quarter second, uh, one thing that Shield pointed out was the play-action pass game has been atrocious. You mentioned play-action and screens and things like that that you know can help out a lot. Last year, the Eagles were great with their screens. I mean, really great. They're last in the league right yeah. now. So there is a schematic issue there in Philly as well. I don't want to put it all on Carson, the, the personnel and all that, but you know, both these guys are going through some growing pains. Carson's are way worse than Lamar's. Um, and he has less leeway and he's a little bit older, but you know, it's going to be two interesting situations to monitor in 2021, really, because these teams are who they are and these guys who they are, who they are this year, unless Carson wakes up one morning and he stops living dangerously, <laughs> most dangerous sleepers. Let's talk about that. Um, cause the Eagles are definitely a sleeper. They're just, they, yeah. you, you don't have a, you don't have a choice, but to put them in probably if they win the division. So um, I, I would ask you maybe give me one out of each, um, each, each conference, uh, the way the dolphins defense is playing right now yeah. in the AFC East, they could, they could mess some teams up and ruin some playoff, um, hopes for some teams. Uh, I just, if they're going to score on defense like that and Tua can play like he did in Arizona, take care of the football. Yeah. Um, and continue to improve. This is a team that can mess around and, and send somebody home in the playoffs as a wild card bid. Um, I mean, shit, else? they just Let's beat the here. Cardinals, who might be the scariest team at this point if we're being overreactive and all this stuff in yeah. the NFC West. I mean, by the way, Kyler Murray, <clears throat> would you, if you were starting your franchise right now, are you taking Kyler or Lamar? Ryan Clark got, Dude, so, Ryan Clark got uh, like bombarded over saying this, and I agree with him. I take Kyler. Really? I would. Uh, yeah, I mean, he does so much, dude. And the way they're designing their runs for him, I mean, at a certain point, we're going to be talking about the same conversation, market now, that teams are going to kind of figure some of these things out on these design runs where he's actually like, it looks like zone read, but he's not really giving the ball to the halfback. The halfback's going up and blocking a second level defender, right. like a linebacker or safety in the box. Like right. it's, it's a designed run, even though it looks, it's a designed quarterback run, even though it looks like, Oh, he's reading it. Uh, some of that stuff that they're doing is pretty unique, but at the same point, like somebody's going to get a beat on it. All right. We got these guys. Here's the tell. Kyler's a like the ball coming off his hand is just like right now. Like right yeah. now, that ball is like, he throws the ball like only a couple guys in the league. Now he's got to work on some things, no doubt about it. And there could be a, a catch-up period schematically, but I just feel like he's, he scares me just as much as a D lineman in a passing offense with his legs as Lamar would. Yeah. 
But to put <clears throat> Kingsbury in Baltimore, yeah. like to use that system in Baltimore, yeah. one, it's very un-Baltimore. Yeah. Like Baltimore has to run the ball, right, to be yeah. Baltimore. They got to beat you up while they run up the score, okay? Yeah. It's also cold. Like right. you're outside. In the desert, you're in the dome. Like it's nice and warm. Yeah. That offense kind of fits there. You know, if they right. got to go – you know, on the road and play somebody in a cold weather. Like, I don't know if that works that well for Kyler. I think we'll find um, out this year. I really think we'll, we'll they're going to be find in out. and they're going to be dangerous. Yeah, because th- they would essentially, you can't really call them a sleeper anymore because they're yeah. on the map. But right. um, it, it looks like, you know, the Seahawks would be number one, even though they lost the Cardinals. And then the Cardinals would be number two in that division. So they could... They could sneak in there and they could and screw win the division, up. or they could sneak in there and make a run. I, you went Dolphins yeah. in the AFC. I'll go the Raiders. Only yeah, three nice. more teams on their schedule winning records, and uh, that includes the Dolphins. To your point, who's classified as a sleeper? I don't think anybody's that afraid of the Colts offensively, but they're a good football team. And then the third mm-hmm. winning record team that they have left, they've already beaten in the Chiefs. And I don't want to say that dismissively. If they can get the the Trent Brown thing rolling again and uh you just don't sleep on them because of the bucks win okay the bucks were really rolling that two three week period um you know i don't want to sleep on them because of that i'll go raiders in the afc and then the nfc Uh, 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 um. Uh, 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 the vikings I, like, you I'm like a, the Vikings? Well, no i'm I'm giving you i'm giving you a deep deep sleeper this is like a depths of the the deepest depths of the deep sleepers so it's them and the Bears, right? Like the Packers will potentially win the division, even though they just lost the Vikings. But yeah. the Pack will win the division, and it's them or the Bears. It's this, this is if they get Cousins, in, Mark. If, if they get in, if they get in, they're going to be dangerous. Because if they get in, and of course this is kind of unfair the way I've rigged this, but they've already beaten the Packers and they took the Hawks the distance. Okay. Uh, Here's who they have left. The Bears, Cowboys, Panthers, Jags, Bucks, Bears, Saints, Lions. Okay, so they have the Saints and the Bucks. Everybody else is pretty beatable for them, and they could steal one. I mean, like, they're scary because Dalvin Cook's scary, right? And if Kirk gets a little bit of, like, the run game gets going and he gets confident, like, you just never know. He could have a hot game. They It would take probably six and two. But anything's possible, and if Dalvin Cook sli- slides in in yeah. January, that's that's scary. The question is the hole is the hole too big there for them. But if they slid in, I would I would be afraid of that team. Give me their uh, the rest of their schedule. I saw Dal- you said Dallas on there, so that's a win. Who else? Ba- they're favored against the Bears coming up this week. Dallas are going to be favored. They'll probably be favored against the Panthers without CMC if he's not back. The Jags yeah. they're going to be favored. The yeah. Bucks they'll be dogs. The Bears, I mean, depending upon what happens the next month. They could be favored there. The Saints, they'll probably be dogs. And then the Lions, they'll probably be favored. Who do you have in the uh, NFC? Oh, geez. Let's go. Uh, well, the Panthers are pretty much out of it, right? I mean, yeah. they'd have to have one hell of a second half of the season. Uh, let me think here. I mean, the Eagles are going to win the division. Does anybody else get in with them? I think they could win a playoff game. I think they could win a playoff game because somebody would underestimate them because of their division. And I mean, they're going to barely scrape by. And also don't forget, like Ertz is coming back. Goddard's coming back. They got some players, you know, that are, they're trending in the right direction health wise. Um, you know, and, and we're talking, yeah, Deshaun's huge for him. Even if he's not the most productive 
version of himself. At least he's a threat. Yeah. Um, and you know, you got to account for him cause he'll blow the top off the defense and yeah. score a deep touchdown. Uh, but essentially it's going to come back down to what we said with Carson. Like, can he be conservative enough or have the discernment on the run and on the move when he extends plays? And if he can do that, uh, and they win the turnover battle, they're going to be in these football games at least, right? They'll yeah. be, they'll be right there. So as long as they don't beat themselves, they have a shot. Let's go real quick through the best teams in the league and, and a quick weakness. I'll start with the Steelers. Yeah. I think it's the inability to push the ball downfield. I think, and I think they have the ability, but I think Ben, his health is so paramount to them that they've said this year, he's always been the guy, and you know this from watching quarterbacks, is like, if you're a D lineman and I'm playing Big Ben, I'm like salivating because he's going to hold on to the football, right? Like, you know, those are free sacks. This year, he's not that guy. He's getting the fucking rock out. And I wonder if that's just to keep him healthy. But also, there's no A.B. and there's no Mike Wallace. So I, I don't know. With the Steelers, that big playability kind of scares me. Yeah, but what about Claypool, dude? Claypool's a baller. He's chucking it downfield to him. They got Washington. Know. They got Juju. Why and, haven't they been I mean, able to create big plays then? I've, well, they have. Claypool's had some big plays for him. It's just I feel like last year or last week, everybody got so, you know, like they're looking for the, the, the reason why the Steelers are going to be bad, right? Like there's no way they can be eight. No, let's find mm -hmm. out why. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he missed on a bunch of deep passes. Like if you hit 25% of your deep passes, you're doing fine yeah. on balls over 20 yards. Like, bro, you're kicking ass. Yeah. That's better than anybody. So he's, Listen, he just went through a little rut on some of those deep passes. Like, so what? That was one game. I just feel like they're so good on defense. They have enough talent at receiver. They run the ball just fine. I mean, they're going to be they, – they, usually they come on late too, right? Like, they have a solid season. They have a couple losses here and there. Yeah, yeah. But they just come on as gangbusters in the playoffs, and they know what to do because it's a culture thing. It's an attitude thing. It's a Mike Tomlin thing and an organizational thing. They just know how to act when it comes time, when it gets cold, when you got to go to Pittsburgh and go play a game. Like you know, you're gonna get smacked, dude. And listen, so, I got them. I got. They're my Super Bowl team, man. I, I would love to be right about it. The only thing I worry about is yeah. at times, you know, like on third and eleven, they're running. You know, they're running slants and just being like Deontay Johnson, go make somebody miss. Like, go figure it out. Well, but I, that's I, the I other thing. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. Give me a completion, play the field position game. Maybe don't get the first down. Maybe you do punt the ball end the series with a kick. So what? And yeah. then let our defense go strap it up and beat your ass again. You know, like that's okay for them. That's, that's like in the Steelers world of football. That's fine. I agree. I agree. I, I still like them to make a run. I think they match up well with the chiefs. Actually. Let's talk about the chiefs. I think their weakness is boredom. <laughs> <laughs> I think their weakness is boredom. I mean, I swear to you, Patrick Mahomes gets bored. And then, uh, like, yeah. Steph Curry is what we've talked about here, like how Steph yeah. gets bored. Um, and they have two wins against teams with winning records this year for whatever that right. – I mean, where, where do you see a weakness with the Chiefs? Uh, I mean, their defense looks a lot better, especially their run defense. I remember that being a major issue last year. Uh, and then even in, like, two-minute situations, they were uh, – God, they gave up so many runs last year to yeah. like Tannehill and yeah. stuff. They gave up like huge plays in cover two man. Like yeah. they couldn't play cover two man. 
late in the game to help them, you know, uh, secure a lead. And this year they've definitely improved on that. Um, you know, I, I still think you can, you can try and get after them. If you're going to run the ball, if you're going to make it, you know, a short game, limit Mahomes' possessions and just stick to the run game. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's dedication and you got to like, yeah, totally commit to it. Uh, because if not, you're going to be in a shootout and we've seen how those go with Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if that's the guy you want to get in a gunfight with. I don't. I don't at all. Um, yeah. Those baseball player guys, they scare me. All the good fucking <laughs> quarterbacks these days are baseball players. I know. I know. Um, hey, NFC, real quick. We got the Saints, Saints who are suddenly the cream of the crop. Yeah. Um, and we all wrote them. Well, not all of us, but we kind of like did the I thing. picked them early in the year, bro. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl did, and win. Did you stick? Have you stuck with that on Get Up on ESPN? <laughs> have, you, have you jumped off the bandwagon during that trying time in October? Uh, no, so they didn't, I never had to be in on any of those saint segments. Oh, nice. Thank God, because I would, <laughs> I might've jumped off the ship, dude. But, um, my whole thing is at some point, I really think Winston's going to have to play. He's going to have to play at some point, whether it's COVID, whether it's an injury, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, and I just, that's going to be, that's going to tell me so much about Sean Payton. If he does it with Teddy Bridgewater and Jameis Winston, yeah. like he's, that is going to be the, the goats, ultimate. Bro. Yeah, just like the ultimate, like just patch on your Letterman's jacket, like you're a beast. I think he. I'll, and, I'll do you one better. I think he's going to try to do it with Taysom Hill before he tries to do it with Jameis Winston. Oh, okay, I, if, fair. I think if if Drew got hurt, you know, like and was out two weeks, yeah, he might he might start Taysom Hill and be like, how creative can I get to try to win a game? And it would annoy the fuck out of me. Yeah, because I want to. I think. Him. Well, I think he'd go. You still gotta have you still gotta have uh, Jameis in there. I think. I'd I think I'd he love might to see split Jameis time, get but, some time there. I mean, like not yeah. for the. I don't want to see Drew get hurt, but if that was a situation, that's a guy I'm rooting for now because yeah. I think he made a really mature decision, joined the Saints, and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna bide my time." Not that he had a lot of choices, but that's the place to do it and learn no from Drew and Sean. So they're the top dogs right now. Let's go. I mean, because we know what the Seahawks' uh, weaknesses are. You know, Rams. well, they're just their defense is just a bend don't break defense, right? Yeah. So you know they'll they'd rather go you know let you run the ball, throw the ball all through the twenties, and then somewhere in the red zone either come up with a turnover or hold you to a field goal, and they feel like they've done their job. Dude, the first half so. of that game Sunday, it felt like the Seahawks were playing two minute defense with a three touchdown lead. Like <laughs> guys were just juking around and then eventually like sliding after twenty three yard gains. Like Cole yeah. Beasley just like running out of bounds on un uncontested. I mean, that's yeah. a really scary situation for them. They could lose in the wild card. They could also win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Right. Let's go Bucks. I think their 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 weakness is obviously the Saints at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh Man, they uh, they just got manhandled in that game. And it oh, seemed man. like they had some kind of crappy luck. Not crappy luck, but they just went through a series of, um, you know, fourth downs, you're going to try a fade on the goal line. Um, you know, they went for it in some dangerous situations where they could have maybe got a couple field goals yeah. or just could have punted the ball away and played a little more conservative. And, you know, it's the second time playing that team in their division. So, like, why not? You know, we yeah. lost to them before. Like, why not? Um, I, I understand the thinking behind it, but it just um, it just seemed a little, uh, you know, 
I don't know, like gunslingery. It just seemed a little aggressive. I didn't like their defensive their... game plan either. A lot has been made about that, but I didn't like yeah. the whole rush four and just play zone. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a slow death. Like you do that for you do that against a young quarterback that you know you know is so impulsive. Like they're not going to be able to just be patient and they're going to eventually the make a completions. But for Drew Brees, it's like, dude, he's been doing this for twenty some years. Like you're going to just die. A death, slow by death by a thousand paper cuts. paper cuts. Yeah, dude, yes. that was it. So I mean, so. like, yeah. I, 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 last question before I let you go. If if the Bucks and the Saints play in the playoffs, is the pre- I mean, to some people listening, this might be obvious, but to me, I think it's an actual. Who's got more pressure on them, the team that's won twice or the team that's lost twice? Because the team that's lost twice can play that we're angry card. Which actually, yeah. it actually works in the NFL. As stupid as oh, it yeah. is, you should be angry. Every Motivation, week. yeah. You, 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 you got that going for you. And then the statistical anomaly of losing three times in a season to somebody in your division is so low. Yeah. You're like something's got to even out. the The team that's won twice, I feel like your asshole might be a little bit puckered. What do you think? <laughs> you might be, and you're you're constantly, you know, it's like having a big lead in the first half against yeah. a team that you know is good, and you're just yeah. like whoa like do we just run the ball out like run the clock out or (laughs) keep going and coach like hey keep keep your foot on the gas like exactly but how fast yeah 30 35 yeah you know i'm cool just cruising here or (laughs) so i agree dude that's that's a lot of pressure and you know the expectations are going to be so high especially from your fan base they're like oh we already beat those guys two times like Dude, this is a really good football team. So yeah, they're scary. Um, and you you just had AB join, and like maybe maybe you are growing through that. I would add one more weakness to the Bucks, and that might be chemistry, man. Like that's it. And I'm not just saying it's just time on task. I'm not just saying AB. Like, listen, AB, your bet's as good as mine of how that's going to work out. But mm-hmm. Bruce, a couple times now after tough games, has not really been complimentary of. Tom and you know like it's just you sense that one more bad loss and things could get weird there I feel like because everything I've heard out of New England with Tom and you were there but like Belichick treats everybody the same and if anything he rides the quarterback pretty hard when Tom made a mistake like boom he'd he'd get after him so I feel like there was some conversation there had to be you can be hard on me yeah yeah like if you ever got a, you know, you need a whipping boy, like I'm your guy. Yeah, if but you need to just air somebody out. Go for it. You can I'm good. say that, but it's kind of like, and you've had different, like, if we were in a game week and somebody was like, I make a mistake, and like the 54th guy on the roster, I said 54, I know what I said, is like, hey, Chris, you got to be in that gap. I'd be like, who the fuck are you? And I'm not likening <laughs> Bruce Arians to that, but what I'm saying is like, right. Bill can say certain things, and maybe there was an agreement, a handshake, but Bill can talk to Tom a certain way, and I don't know if Bruce can talk to Tom the same way. You know, like, it's just we receive criticism different from different people, and that was an extreme analogy. Bruce Arians is a great football coach, but there's only one hoodie, (laughs) right? And you, Yeah, that's true. So that's my worry. It's just different. It's just a different relationship. It's different, you know, interpersonal dynamics and all that, and so it's, you know, I I think it's just time on task. 
interpersonal. I like that. Mark, appreciate you, man. We got a lot done today. I uh, hope you come back soon and uh, enjoy your weekend. We'll be rooting for the Jets in a week when they take down the Chargers. Mark guaranteed a win. You know, he's the Jets quarterback at heart, so he likes to guarantee stuff. I did not guarantee a win. But I do want to tell the viewers I'm coming. They're, listener, they're mostly in. listeners. They're mostly listeners. I oh, should tell you that this is this primarily a podcast. The video is just so You're I can, wasting this. So I don't can see your beautiful this. face, Mark. And just in case don't we have to, this. just in case we have to do a social. All right. You don't right. do like the other guests I have. I just put them on audio. But if you've done the Baywatch photo shoot in GQ, you got to be on video. You got Hey, Check. motherfucker, I've been in GQ too. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't a cover guy. No, I, I don't know. Maybe I was. I got to look back. What do you mean, maybe? Because it doesn't mean as much to me. You, 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 you had to share you, the you cover with somebody. The, the probably. Co- you have your cover framed in a black frame in your home gym next to the Nordic no. track. No. And I don't even know if I was just a feature or if I was the cover. I don't remember. It's been a long time. I got other, you know. I, yeah, dude. Whatever. Right, I just dude. wanted to tell the listeners and viewers that, you know, I'm coming in, streaming in live. Well, not live, taped, recorded, satellite from Ensenada, Mexico. Yes, Bienvenido. Damas y caballeros, aquí estamos en Mexico. You said cowboys in there? What? Damas y caballeros. Caballeros? Like, that... ladies and gentlemen. Oh, gentlemen's not, or caballeros isn't cowboys? That's gauchos. That is kind of. It's just like a phrase. That's what they say, dude. Okay. Well, when I come visit <sighs> Whatever. you. Whatever. You can, you know, you can teach me more Spanish, bro. I can't wait to Invitation come see Invitation rescinded. Oh, God. <laughs> Hi, Dios mios. All right. See you later, right, squanch. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to do a mailbag. You guys that wait around to the end of these pods, you're like the cool kids. One day when this pod becomes big, you're going to be like, yeah, but were you there for the mailbags in 2020? And I say to you, Chris, why not reinvent the wheel? If this mailbag is money, put it in the front. You're saying to put the mailbag in the front. Make squanch wait. Yeah. I mean, squanch squanch wait. wait. Make Make squanch squanch wait. wait. I'm not doing it a third time. Yeah. (laughs) It goes running out of steam. No, it wasn't running out of steam. I just worry people don't remember. Make squanch wait. Nah. I refuse, especially not with eye contact. I don't want to chant anything. (laughs) Anyways, there's nothing worse than starting a chant and nobody picks it up. You're right. You're right. It's like one of the worst feelings on the planet. I was a pretty, uh, how you say, spirited fan in my day. Yeah. And pretty good hit rate on getting everybody to join in. But those ones that don't. Yeah, I'd rather fall down in public than start a chant that nobody... Would you, would you, I mean, is that pretty fair? Like just a trip, like in public, crowded sidewalk. There's no lonelier feeling than starting the defense. I mean, defense. Because yeah. you got to bail out at three or four, as we just did with Make Squanch Wait. Yeah. I'm glad we got out of it. First question. This is from S-R-B-E-N-N-E. I don't know how I would say that. You have to make a band name. The name has to include a type of pasta. I like this question. I really do. I've got a bunch. Are you down to one? Should I just fire? 
Meaty ziti. Spaghetti rain. Fusilli Jerry. <laughs> Wait, it's not fusely. <laughs> You're thinking of muesli. And I'm and I'm talking about fusilli. <laughs> it's not COVID. You know who? Uh, you know aloe black. What? Yeah. Orzo thick, but T H I C C. Orzo thick. Okay. And ravioli, aioli, aioli, aioli. <laughs> what? Those are my those are my five submissions. I just have two, but I have one that I'm positive if I were to start a band. It would get traction. Well, this would be the name. The first one, Reverb Ragu. You ready for this? Yes. The Parm Animals. The Parm Animals. And remind me of the kind of pasta that's being used. Chicken Parm. Oh, Jesus, Chris. <laughs> um, I don't think that I extrapolated. Parm, but well, how about there's probably, I swear to God, there's probably a pasta that starts with palm or, or no, ends in parm. <laughs> I mean, the parm is the cheese on I, top of the dish. I know, but okay, well, hold on a second. <laughs> I just went full on Italian. Now, if we want to scrap the go question, back, go back the through, parm go animals back is your, great. Go back through yours a little bit. Spaghetti rain. That's a pasta. Meaty ziti. That's a pasta. Orzo thick. That's a pasta. Fusilli Jerry. That's <laughs> a pasta. Ravioli, aioli, aioli, aioli. See, the a aioli thing threw me off and I thought I had you. Mm. Listen. Forget I, the question. I, I Parm animals is good. I didn't play by the rules, okay? No. But to my credit, Parm animals is a great band name. I agree with you. Chicken Parm. You, you it's get a, It's a loophole. Yeah, you fail the the question, but you come up with a good name in the process. I, don't, I had that written down. I uh, must have been not thinking. That's where all great ideas come from, though. If somebody asks for a type of cheese next time, you have a head start. Well, when I heard pasta, I just went Italian food immediately. Just I, I stopped looking at the question, and I went down a rabbit hole. And is ragu a pasta, or is that a dish? That's, you know, because you... See what I'm saying? I'm not, I, I know I'm wrong here, but. Yeah, I reckon I was out to lunch on that one too. It's a uh, highly seasoned dish of meat cut into small pieces and stewed with vegetables. Thank you. I'm not even sure if it's Italian food now. So is ragu Italian food? Well, now. Isn't. Bol bolognese. <laughs> Ra well, they're, now they're two different kinds of ragu. An Italian cuisine ragu is a meat-based sauce. R-A-G-U. That's where I see. I've seen it in the grocery store before. Ragu. R-A-G-O-U-T is a main dish stew. Meat the ball. So really, you went over two on pastas, and are disqualified from the question. I'm up one to zero in mailbag. Oh fuck, dude. Ragu though, tomato sauce. I would, I would move on to the <laughs> next question. First one. First question. We're starting this drill over. Mailbag starts now. It's like a recount. I just restarted the mailbag right now. If you could see any movie performed by an elementary school playcast. Uh, and this is from, 
I have no idea how to say this. Jaya Rabinic. Go ahead. Saving Private Ryan. Excuse me? <laughs> well, that, you what? I haven't seen it. But I've heard that it's tremendous. I've also heard that it's about like World War II. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to to flip this question on its head and really So you want to see toddlers go to war? You think it wouldn't work? <laughs> All right. Blues Brothers. Oh my God. A 1980 American comedy film directed by John Landis starring John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd as Joliet Jake and Elwood Blues. Characters developed from the Blues Brothers recurring musical sketch on the NBC variety series Saturday Night Live. Hmm. Yeah, that works. I guess that would be cute. Here's the movie, okay? Because... I had in my notes, can't find any movies where something shitty won't happen to a kid if it was all cast with kids. Like I stayed away from war movies for that very reason. This might not make sense to you, but obviously the right movie is The Matrix. Mm. Yeah. Like little kids levitating and bicycle kicking with like ill-fitting suits on and wires goofy sunglasses and shit. Wardrobe. I mean, that'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, that's the a ma- good idea. The Matrix. Yeah. It's been a while, but I have seen it. Cara didn't Dale. Dumbest things you've done and gotten hurt. You have one. I have a bunch, actually. Really? I'm wearing a boot on my right foot right now because I have a busted... Do we call it a pinky toe? Is the littlest toe a pinky toe? Or is that just a hand? We just don't talk about that toe. I don't think people talk about that toe. Okay. My, my, my smallest doesn't toe... doesn't really serve a purpose either, does it? Uh, well, it hurts like hell and I can't do other things. I was on track to run 26.2 miles in the month of November. And now I've missed two days because of this right foot. Like a, a marathon yeah. in a month? Yeah, we've talked about it. I'm, yeah, I'm, no. I'm efforting. Yeah. So listen, my toe, my toe is like a, it's kind of like a, like a plum. It's, uh, it's got a bluish. Light blue hue. Purpley hue. Like Ashley Schaefer's yeah. plums. Might take it to market. Mm-hmm. Special two plums for one. Yeah. Just bite into it. Okay. The juice is right. If I, if I recall correctly. So, uh, yeah, and I did that um, walking into a table a couple of nights ago. It's like when you hear the, the pitcher before the World Series game or the golfer before the big tournament, they get into some accident where clearly they were intoxicated and yeah. fell, but they say, oh, I... You really had that injury. I slipped. I really had it. I, uh, I got this uh, articulating mount on the TV. Great purchase. And um, I was setting it back to, to you know, in as yeah. opposed to out and turned. And I wanted to make sure it was, it was level. Right. Because I have OCD. Because you're OCD. And um, I'm looking at the TV as I'm backing up and turning, trying to get a good shot at it so my lovely wife can watch a, a, a level TV in the morning yeah. and, and, and pow right into the, into the table and, and now I'm in a walking boot. Shut the fuck up, dude. You're actually wearing your referee sneakers though right now. Well, I thought about that. It's a podcast so nobody can see. Right. And um, my parents said that I could pick up a walking boot if I wanted to from their house. Okay. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I guess I'm not totally telling the truth. So you don't really have a boot. Well, I have access to it. <laughs> so, you're, so, you're, 
So you're traumatizing a stubbed fifth toe. We don't even talk about fifth toes. Like, no one has talked about a fifth toe all year, anywhere. You want to see it? That's a picture of it. Yeah, you've got a bruise on your... <laughs> oh, a bruise. That is... It's a disgusting, swollen, purple... <laughs> it looks like Schmeagel's, uh little hand. I don't know the reference. Lord of the Rings. You seen that movie? No. God, no. Sci-fi? What about yours? Because I have more. I don't really have any. I'm like, I don't really hurt myself a lot. Perfect. Because I'm really, I, I really try to avoid those situations, you know? You see this hand? Yeah. That's, that's my fist. I cannot go any, any, <laughs> any farther with that finger. Uh, and it's because of a, a slow pitch softball game in college. Damn, dude. I was catcher because I was a liability in the field. Unfortunately, I didn't grow up with the game. Yeah. Didn't care for the game. No. Nah. And uh, it's the playoff, so dude's running hard. Yeah. Around the ball's hit. Dude's coming around third toward me. Hot corner. Me. Hot corner. I catch the ball, tag the guy out, but he bowls me over, jackass. And so I go to the dirt. And meanwhile, a guy who hit it, it's not the third out, is is still circling the bases. So everybody's yelling at me, third, 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 mm, third. Yeah. So I get up to throw it to third, and the ball falls out of my hand because all of the front part of my finger is under the second part of my finger. And people turn away. They're like, oh, they can't even look at it. I look down at it, nearly throw up, put it in my stomach and and yank it out felt great for 30 minutes and then the worst pain so wait, ever experience that's a that's a that's a dislocation and two breaks in my pointer finger i can't make a fist is it would you say it was worse or the same as the dak prescott injury as far as just being really gnarly to look at same as wow bro i had a i had a bundle of finger what is this the knuckle do we have two knuckles dog Look at my middle finger, motherfucker. Look at all my fingers. Look at me trying to close my fist. This is me trying to make a fist. Okay? I mean, I could make a fist, but all my fingers have to stay flat like that. If I try to honestly bend my fingers and make a fist, I look like I'm doing gang signs. That's true, but you just did a pretty... I can good. do it like this, but all my fingers are flat. Okay. Can you curl your fingers and make a fist? What? what? I can... This I, four, is... Four, three out of the four. This is it. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I need to say, if I had been taken out of the game, we would have forfeited for some weird rule. Yeah, so you, I stayed in the game. Golly, man. Drew a walk at my next AB That's while I'm basically <laughs> crying. How do you draw a walk? Oh, because I look like I'm good. Through no. the tears. No, 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 no. They were there 20 minutes ago. When you had I, the guy couldn't find the strike zone, and I and I acted like I was going to swing on every pitch. Drew a walk, got to first, went to the hospital afterwards. What other Joe Theismann type injuries have you had? I told one friend, I uh, and now I can't make a fist. And the friend said, "Why would you ever want to?" And I thought, "Hey man, that's a great thought. <laughs> that's some that's some Zen shit, you know." I guess. I can't make a fist. Why would you ever want to? Who would ever need to? Amen. <laughs> Peace and love. No, dude. I don't buy that. But I love the fact that you bought it. Well, you might want to buy into it. You can't make a fist either. All your, all your fingers are squanched down on they your, on your left hand. Look at this shit. Uh, I'd say that's about it.
that's about it. My brother told me to sit down in the golf cart when yeah. I was a little kid, but I kept standing up, holding on to the, the thing. Yeah. Went over a bump and flew out, and I got the uh, scar on the your knee. knee that everybody your has. Knee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Oh, weight man stats. You look like Seth Rogen's twin. I'm sorry? I actually got this this week, and I thought it would be funny to share. A guy said I look like Seth Rogen's twin. And how do you feel about that? I felt really not great about it. Cause I, you know, oh, I see what you're doing. Now you're gonna tell the people who you actually look like, and it's gonna be. I'm not like gonna con you. No con. Fast bender. Look what I have in the. Look what I have in the. Um, that's fucked up. I get the guy also from forgetting Sarah Marshall. Seagull. Yes, dude. Comma Jason. Maybe? I'm not getting any good ones. But look up Seth Rogen now. 2020. I am. Looks, Love Seth Rogen. Looks totally different now. He's doing the Letterman thing. Yeah, doesn't so much look like you at all. Thank you, okay, Kevin Love. Clear that up, Kevin Love. That that I could I could see that. Okay, Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance Jr. You want to tell the people about the Larry Nance Jr. thing? Sure. You look identical AF to Larry Nance Jr. That's the story. People put into your machines Larry Nance Jr. and you'll get a <laughs> you'll get a C long doppel deal. It's just funny. Because you're batting about 500 on convincing people that I look like Larry Nance Jr. Well, at first glance, one might at say not. Nah. But if you really pay attention... At first glance, I, yeah. I, the bone structure is identical. Larry Nance. Junior. Junior. Ocelot Pizza. What was your biggest oh shit moment? Like when I realized I could light a J on the stove top. I mean, I took a liberty with this. You know, just any sudden realization that made me think like, holy shit, how did I not get that the first 30, 35 years of my life? I think that's what he means, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you have any? Yeah, two. Okay. One is the arrow next to the gas pump symbol on your control panel on your vehicle. Yeah. The arrow tells you what side of the car your your gas. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they, listen, I've never not known that just because I I am notorious for running out of gas, right? So I got to know my way around there. Right. And I'm not saying I was in my 30s, but I wasn't 16 when I found that out. And uh, I also wasn't pulling up every time in my own car to the wrong side like, oh, messed it up again. But this is helpful in somebody else's car, yeah. in a rental car. Yeah. The arrow points to the side of where you stick the gas. Yeah, the nozzle. The nozzle. You got it. You really got it now. Yeah. Yeah, I've got that. My second, Chris, was uh, the revelation, maybe 12, 13 years old, that I could be the one who ordered the pizza. Prior to this revelation, I'd have to ask my parents, hey, can I get a pizza or something? Oh, so you... But when you're when you got the dough from the chores, yeah, you live in the house, yeah. and you have access to the phone. You can call Domino's and get the twenty ounce Coke, the sausage, green peppers, and pepperoni pizza oh, with the hand yeah. toss. That's baseball. Uh, that's baseball postseason party pizza, which is my favorite kind of pizza. Mm. You probably never played baseball. Well, again, just the slow pitch softball. Yeah, which but. That pizza, like sports banquets, like you know, summer 
you know, little league get togethers, that's Domino's. That's the best kind of pizza there is. And when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, it's amazing. You could make that person come to your door. Right. Right. That was, that was huge. TGIF is on. Holy smokes. I can do this myself. Yeah. I can call the store. Someone will I don't remember the day that that occurred to me. The problem is the one problem was I didn't understand. I, I was in charge of the entire operation. I didn't understand tipping that first time. And so the guy's pulling out like 237 to hand me back because well, I didn't realize that he gets. You know, 20 years later, the kids on your street get chocolate covered pretzels for Halloween. So. Oh, they were chocolate covered? I don't know. I'm not even for sure that they were. I think they were just in the shapes of like pumpkins. Oh, wait a second. There was no chocolate on those pretzels? I'm going to have to get back to you on that. I Holy think we just handed shit. out pretzels. No, you've never changed. Not from the kid that didn't tip your first Domino's delivery guy. I wonder if that guy's listening to the pod. Like, I don't love the notoriety this uh, this guy's getting. He's a fucking fraud. Hey, by the way, in COVID times, when we have a separation from cashier to patron, yeah, and they say, hey, I can touch the screen for you. Yeah. There's no way you can say uh, no tip, please, on the $4 coffee drink. Yeah, you're right. It says either $1, $2, $3. And when I say uh, 50 cents, please, curve. can I put 50 cents? Curve, curve I sound issue. like a jackass. And what I really want to say is no tip. It costs $4 for you to spend 10 seconds yes. making my coffee, which I love and I appreciate, but it's $4. And I also hope you have a great day. Yes, have a great day. I would tip. I do. I ha You have to. You have to now. Bro, if, every we time at the grocery store, they could be like, would you like to donate $5 to the Meerkat Rescue Society? I'd be like, oh. you know, the guy's at the cashier and he's like, Meerkats, there's not too many of them left. And you're just like, oh, fuck. Mash it for uh, the Meerkats, bro. Whatever they want you to donate to. It's also, well, you got the problem of being you. They might recognize you. Yeah. I got the problem of going to the same place every single day. So I'm going to get a rep if I don't. So I end up doing it. But if I'm at a grocery store and it's like, would you like to round up to help save humans? Yeah. That's a nah for me. Really? Yeah. You like, just don't do it through grocery stores. That's not your style. Right. It's not going to be, you're not going to remember me. They're not going to remember me at the grocery store. <laughs> so you're I just can keep giving, those 14 you're cents. giving off memory just like for me it's the morality of like oh my god I'm, a, I'm i'm being apathetic right here to the meerkats no, yeah no i uh, i host charity events oh my god do you hear this you on hear my this? on my free saturday you sound like a karen to, to i host to provide clean water oh yeah yeah yeah, to people without access to Man, it, okay? that was a Herculean effort, and I appreciate you. And fuck yeah, it, it made my day. But just give the 14 cents next time. Okay, next time I'll round up. But I want to be able... Uh, see, with the touchscreen, I could hit no tip in peace. Quietly. Uh, they don't even know until you're out the door. Right. Yeah, but here's the thing. They do know. And then you come back tomorrow, just I like you said. They You're only, there every... They only know if they know the exact price of the drink. Like, hey, your drink's four nineteen. Yeah. And then they they go off to put the cup under the freaking spout. What do you tip on a meal? 
Is this like a political question? Like, is this is asking people what they tip like a politics type question? It's weird. That feels like a totally, totally different scenario for me. I tip well. On yeah, the I figure you do. I At least do. twenty. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. I was just, I was like, man, this would make for some good content if you tipped like twelve percent. Like, I there are people like that, huh? It's all, it's all context. Are there people that tip like ten percent, twelve percent? Yeah, sure. Five percent. Like if you tip five percent, you might as well not give a tip, huh? Like, and you just, you just act like a full-on asshole because you yeah, are. And and I need to be clear, I'm not doing the roundup thing. Yeah. Mostly, I don't think. Maybe on an occasion, if I'm highly caffeinated or something, I am tipping like crazy on these coffee drinks. I just think it's BS how we're now forced to. And I can touch the screen for you. What would you like me to hit? I say a dollar. What's 10% on a, on a 419, 41.9 cents? I'd mash that all day long mm -hmm. left to my own devices. Mm -hmm. But that's not on the screen where I go and get my coffee. It's you will be giving $1, $2, $3, no tip. And yeah. I can't say no tip. Yeah. They know me. I'm the espresso guy. Sick. I know it's espresso. I say espresso to be hilarious. I am dying laughing sitting next to a guy who just doesn't tip for the I, coffee. I, I, no, I, I do tip. Open your ears. I tip. I know it's a it's an issue of there's no option for rounding up or rounding down, I, or putting cents in. Got it. Because we're being careful, so I I'm not allowed to touch the screen because of the ongoing novel coronavirus yep. pandemic. Which I get. It's fair. Just give. I just. Uh, I I don't know, man. H M C Grady. What <laughs> video game or movie world do you want to live in? Easy. Downton Abbey, the movie. I've never seen it. Okay, Downton Abbey was a TV show. Yeah. Chronicling uh, British royalty. Yeah. Uh, I hate stuff like that. I absolutely hate movies and shows set in like fucking, what time period would that be? Like early 20th century, like 19, I think they started right around Titanic. That put us at 1912 through the uh, 20s. Yeah, no, that, that, doesn't, that wasn't what I was thinking. I was thinking of the fucking like kings and queens with the, with the crowns and shit. And they sit on the big chairs and there's jesters and stuff like that. Like what's that, medieval times? Right. I'm not, yeah. Okay, I'm just, just making sure that. I'm going back 100 years. You're just going back 100 years. And I'm going to live in a castle. Yeah. There's going to be a bunch of drama and shit. You know people smelled back then. Well, nah. I think so. Well, I, some did, just like some do I, now. I don't think they bathed a lot. I don't think they smelled very good back then, Macon. There was running water. Not a lot of it. Since? I run a, a foundation and uh, our, our Hallmark charity, as you know, is called Water Boys. There, were not, there was not a lot of water. Hmm. Yeah, it was just people just walked around with stinky butts. They also had hairy, hairy areas. Everybody had a hairy, stinky butts, armpits, hairy areas. Bad hygiene, bro. Didn't brush their teeth, like no Colgate. Yeah, still. And if you get like a fucking sinus infection, you die in a day. Yeah, but I'm living at a at a castle yeah well doctors come to the castle yeah well they're the same shitty doctors that are doing fucking surgery with a fucking tourniquet and a and a saw that you would get at lowe's and they put some like 
essential oils on it and they're like yeah you're good oh let's make sure it's not infected let me fucking put a bic lighter in your leg it's the roaring 20s it's not oh it's the 20s uh, it's not i was thinking like i know they, they the doctors were still pretty bad in the i'm thinking like 1900 i'm thinking boardwalk empire i haven't seen that one the doctors sucked back then did they didn't no 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 they these were top guys coming to uh good lord it's been a long time what's the name of the damn castle high clear in real life but that's not what we called it in downton oh i think it was called downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, no way is it a girl movie is it a guy movie it's people who like period pieces uh anglophiles who like period pieces oh my god of whom I am one. You are going to settle into being an old man so fucking well. Thanks. Yeah. And that's a cool thing. I mean, but like, you're going to like to chill and read like leather bound books tomorrow. Hey, I'm making fires these days. My lovely wife, Meg, said that she's worried that at some point soon, you and Kate don't like to get drunk anymore with us. Yeah. I've been worried about that for a couple years now. Because you're just like, oh, I'm trying to land this plane. I just don't like drinking. It it yeah. stinks. Yeah, I know it stinks. But then, but the night you do it, it's really fun. So I just, yeah. Once in a blue moon, I reckon I was near you not too long ago. You were high as shit on drugs. I was sober, and we still had a grand old time. Well, when was I high as shit on drugs? When 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 when, when, when were you not? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Macon. Uh, yeah, I guess for me it's uh, Ewok land. Is that fake stuff? The Ewoks? Yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, like they just had a really nice setup. It was gorgeous there. Look it up. Ewok. Ewok land. Would you be one or would you be human in Ewok land? That's the part that I can't quite work out. Yeah, Ewoks, man. Um, I don't know. I just remember when I was a kid watching star wars and thinking these guys got a good setup yeah they live up in trees like tree houses and stuff you want to live in a tree house sometimes i do without the deodorant and the cologne no 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 the, i want to live in a tree house so wait where they let have, me get you straight here this little fella looks mighty hairy yeah isn't showering yeah has um no access <laughs> to health care <laughs> And that's, that's everything you just gave me shit for in Downton Abbey. You're absolutely right. Thank you. You're absolutely right. Which is why I would pack a dop kit mm. and I'd have my phone. So I'd have WebMD. Like I still have the same. Oh, that's a big part for me. Yeah. Pre-phone, no phone. No, like yeah. I have to hear about the Titanic via. Telegraph. Telegram. Yeah. One of those. Ewoks, man. Bry guy asks, which president throughout history would you most or least want to get stoned with? Again, I want to remind the listeners that all mailbag questions don't have to be <laughs> marijuana related. I'm a functioning human being. Father of two. Run a foundation. One half of a great podcast. Mm. Bry guy asks again, which president do I want to get stoned with and which one do I least want to get stoned with? 
Uh, I don't know. The, the chalky answers here would be like, oh, Teddy Roosevelt, you know? He's like kind of a folk folklore type. Uh, Barack Obama would be a terrific. Uh, he he did he inhale? He, I think he did. William Jefferson Clinton did not. Mm. Another good chalky pick, if you're asking me. Nah, I don't want to smoke with that cat. Are you cereal? Yeah, I'm pretty cereal. No, thank you. I'm going to go with Millard Fillmore. Nice. Come on down, Millard Fillmore. Just a fucking random ass president. Probably the most random president there is. The 13th. Yeah. Barely ever heard of him. Actually hadn't heard that name since high school. And uh, I just feel like he'd be interesting. I, I wikied him last night. Nice head of hair. Good head of hair. Um, oh, and also he's the type of president you're not nervous to smoke with because he's just fucking Millard Fillmore. He's, he's just like you. You just happen to be president. I think he was accidentally president because, uh, who was it before him? They, uh, the president before him, God, Zachary Taylor, Zachary Taylor, they fucking killed him on accident with mercury. So he wasn't even like elected president. He wasn't voted in. So like I would feel so just at ease next to him. He's just a dude. He's Millard fucking Fillmore. Only thing about him, he was a, he was a huge pussy about about ending slavery. Mm. So well, maybe you could talk to him about that. Change his mind. Well, it could be that, one of those. I, I think it'd be one of those great nights until it'd be like, uh, have you watched the news this week? And then he just starts telling on himself, uh, and then he would blow my high. There was a quote that I thought was uh, I just wanted to share about Millard Fillmore. This is from a Yale professor. To discuss Millard Fillmore is to overrate him. Mm. That is some. That's harsh. That is fucked up, dude. That stings. And I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. <laughs> I don't like it one bit. <laughs> Not one bit. Uh. I don't like it. Um, he was the 14th comptroller of New York, and he was preceded as comptroller by Azaria Cutting Flag. Read. Book this, man. We're going to do a segment called Commander and Chief. <clears throat> Get it? No. Chief, like smoke, like chief. Commander and Chief. And we're going to invite presidents onto the pod to get stoned and do a mailbag. Okay. <coughs> and do you have any... Connections? Uh, reservations at all that it's commander in chief. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> God damn, really? Yeah. Fuck, I forgot. Did I say commander in chief? Yeah, it's a tough one. I never, I guess I never really say it. Commander in chief. Not lately. Not lately, yeah, last four years. Commander in chief will be the name of the segment. That's a good idea. That's a great idea. You're, you're sort of one for one already. I, I don't know if you recall correctly or not, but I was the uh, student body president at our, uh, at our high school. So, wow. Uh, yeah, and you did get a contact high the other day. Evidently. You're, you're sitting with one. Um, do you have a president that you most or least want to hang out with? Because that's how I'll adjust that question for you. Um, hmm. What, what murky waters we're waiting into. Right, exactly. I'll hang with uh, 
with the uh, with the great Thomas Jefferson. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Bill Clinton, good hang, bro. I'll stand up for Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I don't know about getting high on drugs, but Tricky Dick Nixon might be a might be a good time. Abe Lincoln, shout out. Yeah, I think he could probably hang. Abe. Okay. Those are some names of yeah. presidents. Yeah, those are. Yep. <laughs> All right, so uh, that should do it for this edition of Mailbag. Again, thanks for sticking around. On Monday, we'll be back. Macon and I will split the Sunday awards for week, what is it, 10? Sure. <laughs> I think it is. I'm not positive. We'll do the awards, and uh, I'll be giving you a bunch of monologues from the studio because Macon's too tired to do a podcast and he's going to be at home spooning a pillow in his pajamas. That's about right. So yeah, catch you Monday morning and uh, y'all can take care. Take care of yourselves.